0: pastors there and, and uh, a guy promoting camps got up and he was talking about his camp and he said if, if you, were, if, you sub, uh, if you, surrendered your life to preach or uh, if you got saved at a camp, would you stand? And I would say a large uh, majority of the men stood because so, so many decisions are made at camp. So praise the Lord for that. We're in 2 Samuel chapter 3. If you would this morning, 2 Samuel chapter 3, Second Samuel is found right after First Samuel, trying to be helpful there for you, and uh, so that might point you to the direction of where it's at. <clears throat> Today we celebrate fathers, the highest calling really in the world. To God himself we cannot give a more appropriate name than that of father. Fathers are those that are forced to endure childbirth without anesthetic and I know it's unfair, I I appreciate your sympathy, I've went through that several times. And not only that, during childbirth, she gets all the attention, and nobody paid any attention to me and how I was doing, but that's fatherhood, just a part of it. Fathers are those who never feel entirely worthy of the worship of their children. He's never quite the hero that his daughter thinks Uh, He's never quite the man his son believes him to be. This worries him sometimes. Fathers are those men who give away their daughters to men not nearly good enough so they can have grandchildren that are smarter than anybody's fathers. A little boy was explaining uh, what Father's Day is. He said, it's just like Mother's Day except you spend less money. And he may not realize it, but it is true. Did you know that Americans spend $7.4 billion with a P less on Father's Day than they do on Mother's Day? And really, if you look at it nationwide, there's just not quite the same focus on Father's Day than Mother's Day. And I'm not trying to diminish Mother's Day. That's an important day, too. We just celebrated that, but fathers are important as well. There's one well known feminist that made the statement fathers are a biological necessity but a psychological absurdity. That's ridiculous. Fathers are important. Fathers are put there by God in the home. Uh, maybe it's because fathers are so much or do so much of their work in the background uh, and they just aren't in the forefront as much, but for some reason they just get a little less attention than uh Mother's Day does. Uh, One boy was talking to his friend and he said, I'm really, really worried. My dad works 12 hours a day to give us a nice home and good food. He gives me an allowance every week. He fixes anything that I own that breaks. He does things with me, takes me fishing, and we get to spend time together and I'm worried sick. His friend said, worried? It sounds like you've got it made. And he says, no, I'm worried. What if he tries to escape? Do I have any fathers that have ever felt like trying to escape uh, when that ha- I I think we can probably agree that's happened once in a while. But fathers are vitally important in the home. Fathers are supposed to be the leaders, the head of the home. The sad reality is that many men have renounced that throne in their home. They've either given it over to their wives or ran away from their duty. And God's intent was that the father be an integral part of the family unit. Without the father, the unit breaks down. I mean, I'm a big fan of statistics, and you probably realize that because I spout them out once in a while, but let me give you a few statistics here. 90% of homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 9 out of 10. 80% of rapists come from fatherless homes. 71% of teenage pregnant mothers lack a father. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 85% of young people in prisons grow up uh, grew up in a fatherless home. The children that do not have fathers in the home, active fathers, are twice as likely to drop out of high school. They're twice as likely to end up in jail. They're four times more likely to have behavioral or emotional problems. Are you starting to get the picture this morning? Dad, you are important. You're important to the family. It's hard to survive without you. In our culture today, there's a uh, there's a war on the very family unit that God set up. We call it the nuclear family, mom, dad, and children. There's a, there's a war on that today. Even the gender in that family, uh, they are trying to attack. At stake are our children and our future. And dad, I submit to you today, you are the glue that will hold this together going forward. Now today, I want to look at a man in Scripture uh, who was a good man. Uh, in fact, the Bible says much, dedicates a lot of the Old Testament. They talk about him in the New Testament. He's famous even uh, to, the, to Israel today. Uh, he was a great man in the Old Testament when he lived. He accomplished much. He uh, has had thousands of messages preached about him. He's probably had that many books written about him as well. He's a great man. Man of God in the Bible, but he was a bad father. Let's look at him today. 2 Samuel chapter 3, start at verse 2. And unto David were sons born in Hebron. His firstborn was Amnon of Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess. And his second son, Chileab, of Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And the third, Absalom, the son of Maacah, the daughter of of Talmai, king of Gesher. And the fourth, Adonijah, son of Haggath. And the fifth, Shepathiah, the son of Ab- Abital. And the sixth, Ithream, by Igla, David's wife. These were born to David in Hebron. Today I want to talk to you for a few minutes here. We'll look at a few more verses. A good man and a bad dad. A good man, but a bad dad. Father, I pray you'd help us. To encourage, we do not. I I do not want to discourage anyone today. I want to lift up, encourage, but I also want to warn, and I want to challenge our men to be good fathers. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. King David was a great man of God. God anointed him king. As a boy, God used him to kill a giant. We know that story. First Samuel chapter seventeen. He (coughs) was just a seventeen-year-old showed up on the battleground and. Everybody is quaking in their boots over this giant. And this boy goes out and defeats the giant with God's power. The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. Uh, he was a he was a great man, as I've said. And by the way, today as we talk about some of the failures in his life, I don't want to diminish anything he was for God. My point is today that we can do some good things and we can fail in other areas. And I'm simply wanting to point some things out in David's life I feel uh, that he failed in. That does not diminish the man that he was. Our, in our passage today, it tells us of some of David's children. Amnon, Chileab, Absalom, Adonijah, Shephthiah, and Ithream. Every one of these first six sons had a different mother. It is true that polygamy is, was common in ancient days, especially with kings and, and uh, patriarchs there. But it does not. Just the fact that it was common or accepted in society does not negate the fact that, as Scripture consistently showed, polygamy always brings terrible results: infighting, rivalries, murderous intrigue, and all kinds of family problems. God set forth marriage in Genesis chapter one and two. Uh, the Bible says He made Adam, and you know the story of creation: how Adam was alone, and God said, "It's not good for man to be alone." So he put him to sleep and he took out a rib uh, to make uh, Eve his wife. As a little boy heard that story in Sunday school and and how God uh, put Adam to sleep and took out a rib and uh, then made, a, made gave him his wife from that rib. And, and uh, he had eaten lunch and something wasn't sitting right. And He's on the couch, he's holding his side and his stomach's hurting. And his mom says, what's wrong? He says, really hurting on the side. She says, well, what do you think is wrong? He says, I think... I'm about to have a wife. Uh, and, but here's what happened to Adam. You know the story. Adam Adam was put to sleep, and God took out a rib, created Eve, and that's all he created. He didn't create a pastel of women. He created one woman, Eve. Uh, God said in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31, that a man, singular, shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, singular, and they two, not three or more, but two, shall be one flesh. David's many marriages were no exception. His flawed family structure uh, will bring devastation not only to David's family, but to all of Israel. King David broke two commandments, uh, specifically regarding multiple wives. The Bible says very clearly over and over they're not to marry foreigners. Israelites are not to marry foreigners. And so that was one area in which David violated God's law and instruction. Uh, then also in Deuteronomy 17.17, 17, we read that a king was not to multiply wives to himself, neither shall he multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn not away, neither shall he be greatly multiplied to himself silver and gold. Like many today, David obeyed the commandments that uh, fitted him, and then some of them he chose not to obey. We are guilty often of the same thing. David had a problem with lust. He had eight wives that are named in the Bible. Uh, uh, we uh, we see that following the death of Saul, the house of Saul and the house of David declared war against each other. The Bible tells us this war lasted a long time. It was long enough for six sons to be born to David, and they were born to six different wives. Now, the best known is one that was even beyond that, Bathsheba. All and we all know the story. Second Samuel eleven two through five, you'd think a man with six wives uh, would uh, would not be out scoping for another, and yet here he was. Uh, the flesh was not satisfied in David. And so he sees as he's walking on the roof of his house one night, uh, arose, arose from sleep and couldn't sleep so he's out taking a walk, and he sees Bathsheba, and you know the story we see in 2 Samuel 11, and uh, saw her bathing, he sinned with her, uh, he had at least, again, six wives at this point. Got involved in an affair with the wife of a friend. It was Uriah's wife, and Uriah was one of his mighty men, one of his confidants, one of the people that he had bet, done battle with, or uh, went to battle with. And uh, as if the sin of the affair wasn't enough, David tried to cover it up, and he had him, Bathsheba's husband, killed. And so David multiplied his sin. Now what were the consequences of David's action? Even though David married Bathsheba to try to make things right, the baby boy died that he had. And there's a few points we can take from this that I want to remind you, but a bad father does not consider how his actions will affect his children. A bad father doesn't care if they have to pay the price for his sins. A bad father, all he cares about himself is himself and his desires. And so he'll do what he wants to do without any thought of what will happen because of it. Our children today desperately need, especially our boys, I would say, desperately need good heroes. And men, dad, if you won't be their heroes, they will find that hero somewhere else. They'll find some football player that doesn't have the good sense to string a sentence together. They'll find a basketball star that's got more ink on him than you have on your front porch. And uh, they'll find a movie star with the moral fiber of an alley cat. These heroes aren't the right ones, but yet that's what they'll pick, and that's what they have picked by the thousands. They need a dad. They need a man who will set a good example. They're going to have to have somebody to show them how to live for God. They need you, dad. They need you. Bad fathers, though, they don't look at how their actions will affect their children. Secondly, bad fathers do not discipline their children. Amnon was King David's firstborn son. Second Samuel 13, 1 and two. And it came to pass after this that Absalom the son of David had a fair sister, and her name was whose name was Tamar. And Amnon the son of David loved her. By the way, that word love does not mean love as in as we would say uh, in a good way. He lusted after her. We see that because of how he treated her immediately after he had finished uh, working this lust out with her, and so. Her name was Tamar, and he loved her. He was obsessed with her. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin, and Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. Now, it's interesting. Just as David had a problem with lust, so did his firstborn, Amnon. He followed in his father's footsteps, allowed that lust to conceive and bring forth sin. To make a long story short, Amnon rapes his half-sister, when King David finds out about Amnon's sin against his sister, he was furious, as well he should be. This was horrible behavior. Do you know what David did about it? Absolutely nothing. didn't do anything. Bad fathers don't discipline their children. Bad fathers let it go. You see, a bad father doesn't correct his children for doing anything wrong. Uh, Proverbs thirteen twenty four: He that spareth the rod hateth his son. But he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. It wasn't, but two years later that Amnon finally paid the price for his sin, and that was after Absalom invited them over and and uh, basically invited him to his house and he had him killed. Absalom invited, uh, just just, uh, basically took took the matters in his own hands because dad wasn't taken care of. And so, what did David do about that? Now you have a brother, one of his sons kills another of his sons. He is the king after all. He ought to be able to do something about it. But once again, he did absolutely nothing. The Bible says all he did, all the Bible says he did in 2 Samuel 13, 31, he tear his garments and lay on the earth. After David finished mourning for Amnon's death, Absalom runs away. So now David has lost two sons. His baby boy because of his sin with Bathsheba and his son, am not. Bad fathers, though, do not discipline their children. Number three, bad father does not forgive the sins of his children. I've learned something as a father, and if you're a father in here, you have or will learn this soon enough as well. Fatherhood is not for the faint of heart. It's not for the weak-spirited. Fatherhood is difficult. Children will break your heart. They'll toss aside the years of sacrifice and treat you with contempt without a second thought. And what does a parent do in that situation? Well, we forgive, and we love them anyway. We try to do everything that we can to continue to have God work in their life. But the Bible doesn't tell us what happened to King David's second son, Chileab, But after three years of living away from Jerusalem, Absalom is brought home. But David won't allow him to come to the palace for two years. Absalom repeatedly asks to see him, and he will not do it. Finally, Absalom forces Joab, uh, which was the commander of the army, to uh, bring him to the palace to see his father. And then if you'll go, if you want to kind of stay along with me, we're now in 2 Samuel 14 and verse 33. Uh, The Bible says, And so Joab came to the king. And told him, and when he had called for Absalom, he came to the king and bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king. And the king kissed Absalom. Now, because of subsequent events, we know that this was fate. Absalom did not revere David. Later he staged an insurrection. Uh, but here he faked respect. David also seems to be cold and informal here. There's no attempt to bridge the gap between father and son. Each sees the guilt of the other and is cold and unforgiving. What a contrast with the story when Joseph met and revealed himself to his brothers. You remember that story? They had done horrible evil to him, and there was weeping, and there was asking and granting of forgiveness, and there was restitution. Not here. Here the bad father kissed Absalom. David sacrificed justice on the altar of affection. Absalom should have been dealt with for murdering Amnon. He should have been punished for burning the fields of Joab, but instead David kisses him. I wonder, you have to wonder, is what might have turned differently or how history might have been changed if this meeting would have went differently. One has to wonder if instead of ignoring Absalom for two years, maybe I I would just assume that Absalom's heart was growing harder and harder every time Dad refused to see him. until it finally came to the point where he staged his... Insurrection. I wonder if instead of ignoring Absalom for two years, if David would have dealt with it and forgiven him, what might have changed in their relationship? At any rate, the sin went undealt with. Absalom rises up in rebellion against his father, tries to steal the throne. Once he's sure he's had enough people on his side, he sets himself up as king. To be avoided, uh, to avoid being killed by his son, King David fled from Jerusalem. Absalom appointed himself king, moved into the palace at Jerusalem, and all kinds of manner of things happened then, and you can read the story, but David sends his army to meet the army of Absalom. He doesn't want any harm to come to his son. make a long story short, uh, Absalom was killed, and uh, somebody brings David the message. All of this, by the way, came about because David didn't deal with and forgive his son. So now David has lost three sons. He's lost the baby. He's lost Amnon, this firstborn who raped his sister. And now he's lost Absalom, who rose up in rebellion. David's emotion comes to a head, if you're still following, in First Samuel 18, uh, verse 33. Uh, and the king was much moved, and went up to the chamber, over the gate, and wept as he went, and said, O oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I had died for thee, O Absalom, my son, my son. Yet the failure of David was the cause of the crying. He failed to raise Absalom properly. He failed to punish him for his crime, uh, which happened because he failed to punish Amnon for his crime. It just goes back and back. bad father doesn't discipline his children. A bad father does not uh, take care of those problems. You know, if we look even in our own lives, as you can see with David, A lot of our sorrow can be traced back to the failure of our God-given responsibilities. We fail in what God wants us to do and later it brings sorrow. Well, let's move on with David. Maybe he did better with his fourth son. Let's look what happened to him. Adonijah, the fourth son, isn't mentioned until 1 Kings chapter 1 when David is about to die. Seeing his father's about to die, Adonijah sets himself up as king. He doesn't even wait for David to... Anoint him or appoint him king, or he doesn't even wait for David to die. He just calls himself king. He's so much in a hurry to do it. It appears he's just as rebellious as his older brother Absalom. Uh, why was this, by the way? Here's an interesting verse if you're continuing on 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 6. 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 6 tells us an interesting thing here about David in the way that he dealt with Adonijah. And his father had not displeased him at any time in saying, Why hast thou done so? Now think about that statement. You think Dr. Spock invented all his ridiculous ideas? No, it was in place long before then. Uh, Here's David. He was a dad, according to this verse, who never said no. This probably applied to all of the dealings with his sons. Never asked them, Why did you do that? sometimes, as dads, we have to do that. We have to set our children down. We have to hold them accountable. We have to discipline at times. We, have, we, are, we are there to shape and mold them into the young men and young ladies they're supposed to be. David didn't do that. If a parent never holds a child accountable for their actions, guess what? They'll do whatever they want. They will not pay attention to the consequences of their actions. In fact, the Bible tells us in Proverbs twenty nine fifteen. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but the child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Raising children is a great responsibility. David, as a bad father, ignored his responsibility, and his children paid the price. When word came to David that Anijah had anointed himself king, he didn't say anything to Anijah, didn't deal with the rebellion. Again, to make a long story short, uh, David anointed Solomon as king. Uh, Solomon eventually had Adonijah killed for treason. So now King David has lost four sons. He's lost the baby. He's lost his firstborn, Amnon. He's lost Absalom. And he's lost Adonijah. This is a heavy price to pay for the neglecting of his responsibility as a father. My challenge to you today is to be a dad, is not to be a good man and a bad dad. This can happen to every this temptation is there for us as men. We can be respected at work. We can be highly esteemed by our friends and neighbors and fail as a father. This was David. This is true of many even today. We can identify with David in our text as a good man and a bad father. He knows how to be king, but he does not know how to be a daddy. He can slay giants, but he can't handle small children. He knows his way around the palace, but he's lost in the home. He's mighty on the battlefield, but he's helpless in the nursery. He can wrap women around his finger, but he cannot reach the heart of his son. David is a good man who's a failure as a father. He didn't abandon them, yet they suffered neglect. He gave his boys what they wanted, but he did not give his boys what they needed. He was not a good dad. David has been in many fights. He's won many battles he done great things, but he lost, I believe, in this realm of fatherhood. He is loved by his people. He's cherished by his God, but he's a dud for a dad. We see the agony of the daddy and the pain of the father when he says, Oh, my son, my son, Absalom. This is a bitter and awful scene. It's not the cry of a king. It's the cry of a father who knows he has failed. Not a warrior who's lost a battle, but a daddy who's lost a boy. David gained a kingdom, but lost a son. And in that way of speaking, David was a successful failure. He was successful in much. he's a failure in a little bit here that mattered so greatly. David succeeded where he least expected. He failed where it hurt the most. Failed as a father. What a shame to succeed in everything and yet fail as a father. How awful to succeed in the eyes of the world, but fail in the home. What a disgrace to be admired by others, despised by your own. What we find in David, so sadly is true we find in many men today. A success in the world and a failure at home. Don't let that be you, dear friend. Now, why was David such a bad father? I've just got four quick things we'll look at before we close. Four reasons that David failed his job as a father. Number one, he was too busy for his family. Parenting takes time, doesn't it? Parenting takes a lot of time. If we as fathers are too busy with our lives and with our work, we'll never succeed in being good dads. I read this heartbreaking story with a timid voice. The little boy greeted his father when he returned from work. Daddy, how much do you make an hour, he asked. Irritated, the father re- responded, Look, son, not even your mother knows that. Don't bother me now. I'm, not, I'm tired. But Daddy, he said, just tell me, please, how much do you make an hour? Finally, after he had asked several times, Dad gave up and replied, I make $20 an hour. Okay, Daddy, he said, can you loan me 10 dollars And now he got upset, dad did. So that's the reason you're asking. So you can look at me as an ATM. Go to bed and don't bother me anymore. father was meditating after the son walked off tearfully, what he had said, feeling guilty. I think every single one of us fathers has been there before, (laughs) feeling kind of bad about what he had done. And so he went into his son's room and maybe his son wanted to buy something special and Trying to ease his own guilt, he goes to his son's room. He says, are you asleep, son? He says, no, I'm still awake. He says, here's the $10 you asked for earlier. And oh, he lit up. He says, thanks, Daddy. And he says, uh, he reached in under the pillow and he pulled out his own $10. He says, now, with your $10 and my $10, I finally have enough. We have enough for. He says, I want to buy you for an hour. Dad worked $20 an hour. The only way he felt he could get it. How many of us did that apply to today? And he asked the question, Daddy, can I buy you for an hour? I really believe children spell t- love, T-I-M-E. And it costs more than M-O-N-E-Y, time. Time is so valuable. Al- Abigail Van Buren said, if you want your children to turn out well, spend twice as much time on them and half as much money. Give them time, teach them, take them fishing, toss a ball with them. Hey, some I've heard this before too. Well, preacher, we we don't spend much time, but it's quality time. That's baloney. Spend quantity time, not quality time. Make it make it uh, an investment that you put into your children. Give them time. Charles Francis Adams was a 19th century diplomat. He kept a diary. One day he wrote in that diary. These words, went fishing with my son today, a day wasted. His son, Brooke Adams, also kept a diary, which is actually still in existence today. And that same day, Brooke Adams wrote these words, went fishing with my dad today, the most wonderful day of my life. The father thought he was wasting time. The son saw it as an investment of time. The only way to distinguish, friend, between investment and waste is knowing your ultimate purpose. And so David was too busy for his family. Big mistake, friend, if as a father we're too busy for our family. Number two, he wasn't involved in his children's lives. David let them go their own way, didn't give them any consequences. Children whose fathers aren't involved in their lives will go their own way. I've heard this statement made, tie a boy to a good man and he'll almost never go wrong. By the way, let's let's just go back to David's boyhood. His dad stuck him out in the field. Remember that? Remember when Samuel came to anoint one of his sons as king? David wasn't even invited to the party. Could it be that this attitude of neglect and this attitude of distance from his sons came down from Jesse? You know what happens? Uh, uninvolved dads spawn uninvolved dads. I think that's probably had something to what was happening here. I like involved dads. We need involved dads. I think I've used this before, but I love this illustration. A boy was teaching a girl arithmetic. said it was his mission. He kissed her once, kissed her twice, and said, now that's addition. She sweetly gave the kisses back and said, now that's subtraction. Then he kissed her and she kissed him without an explanation. Both together smiled and said, that's multiplication. Then her dad appeared on the scene, made a quick decision. He kicked that boy three blocks away and said, Now that's long division. Amen? I like involved dads. Dads will get involved. Hallelujah for that. Number three David didn't discipline them. If we take a cue from the perfect Father, the perfect Father. Hebrews eleven or twelve six, for whom the Lord loveth he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he received, we must discipline our children. Proverbs twenty nine seventeen: Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest; yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. So, if we as fathers don't discipline our children, guess what? The world will. Oh, preacher, I don't believe in spanking my children. If you don't, the world will spank them, and they don't love them like you love them. They'll destroy them, and you could save them. We need to discipline. Number four, he wasn't a good example. While David wasn't exam- uh, he wasn't a bad example in everything he did. Again, there's lots of things about David. I've preached maybe dozens of messages myself on David throughout the years and they're mostly positive. He was a great man. He didn't they do just bad examples, but he was a bad example in something. Amnon followed the in the in his father's example when it came to lust. Many times children fail because of dad's example. You want to be a bad dad today, follow David's example. Don't put necessary effort into the lives of your children. If you don't, you too can reap the same harvest of sorrow that David did. We need to be involved. We need to be a good example. Your children are worth the investment of your time and energy. A survey was done to a group of boys one uh, year just before Father's Day. The boys were asked, what was the most important thing about a father? What was the most important thing about their father? There was a lot of answers like he plays catch with me, takes me to his work, takes me on errands. Every single answer in the top ten had to do with the father spending time with the son. It didn't matter if they went to the zoo or the auto parts store. It mattered if they were together. It's so important, children, especially boys. What kind of dad are you? Oh, you say I make good money, and I respectfully, I'm not trying to be mean, but that doesn't matter. A hill of beans when it comes to raising children. it uh, Don't be a good businessman and a bad dad. Don't be a good mechanic and a bad dad. Don't be a good line worker and a bad dad. We go on down the, the list of uh, things we can be successful at. Work at being what God wants you to be. Your accomplishments will be overshadowed if you fail in this area. And may I offer some good news today, too. It is never too late. Oh, but preacher, they're already out of my house. Listen, as long as you're breathing and they're breathing, there is hope for you to make an impact and be restored uh, if there is a problem with your children. Listen, God can restore that relationship. That's a promise I hold on to dearly, friend, because I have some relationships uh, that I need to work on with my children as well, that I'm waiting for that to, to work out, and many of us do. And so... If you're here today and this may maybe you hear a message like that and it's discouraged. Maybe you look back and say, Man, I failed in this area and that area. Don't don't look back. There's nothing you can do about yesterday. Look forward and what you can do today, going forward, to make an impact in your sons and your daughters and your grandchildren. What can you do to make an impact for the next generation? If you're here today and you have a dad who loved you, held you accountable, invested in you spent time with you, get on your knees and thank God for that. That's a blessing so many of us did not able to have. If he's still living today, give him a call on the phone. Let him know how much you appreciate that. And dads, dads, determine. Determine this in your heart above all. I will put the focus of my existence and the core of my purpose in what is what is the most important, not what is the most convenient. I'm not going to try to excel at work and then fail at home. I want to succeed where it's the most important. And that is your God-given title of father. That's what's most important. Don't be like David. David was a good man. He accomplished much. He was a bad dad. Let's not make the same mistake. Every head bowed, every eye closed.